once again, there was a series that I was teaching on, and that series was Paul Preached Christ. Say that with me. Paul Preached Christ. Amen. We want to always uh, go by our, in our services, we, we, we still want to keep this, this distance, right? Amen. So I don't have to say nothing, okay? You keep the distance for me, all right? All right. Now, Paul preached Christ, part number six today. Paul preached Christ. Sit it with me. Paul preached Christ. All right? All right. Now, let's go to Romans 16, 25. Romans chapter 16 and verse number 25. Paul preached Christ. From the book of Romans chapter 16 and verse number 25. Paul preached Christ. Let's go to Romans 16, 25 first. My series is 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Two verses. Romans 16, 25. We'll come to this camera. Now to him that's a power to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So what I want to talk about today is I want, to, I want to see, as, as people that I pastor, uh, why Paul preached Christ crucified. That's what I want to show you today. Why Paul preached Christ crucified. Say that with me. Why, why? Paul preached Christ crucified. Right. Now... We're going to show you that in the Word because if Paul preached Christ crucified, he had to have a reason because Peter, James, and John preached Christ, but they preached Jesus. Let me put it that way. So I want to show you why did Paul preach Christ crucified. If you get this, you'll know why your pastor says to you, you can't get saved by water baptism. Or you can't get saved by any of the Old Testament types and shadows. But my whole purpose is, is to make sure you know why you say. That's the whole thing in the word of God. If, you, if, if I pastor you in all these years and you don't know what I'm, what I'm talking about, then you're not saved. That's not good for me. Because you are my work in the Lord. I'm really working on you. The other folk out there gets the benefits. Everybody understand that? All right. So let's look at this. In Romans chapter number 16, Paul says, Unto him that's a power to establish us, the King James used the word establish, 
But it says, according to my gospel. And then it says, according to my gospel. And then he told you what his gospel is. The preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. What I said to you was, Jesus preached the mystery. So I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really doing this because I, I, I need to do it to kind of bring you up. Go to, go to Mark 4 and verse 11. Jesus preached the mystery. So with Paul preaching the revelation of the mystery, why is Paul ministry can get you saved and John ministry can't get you saved? The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter number 4, and verse number 11. I'm going to stay in the King James so we can move a little, little quicker, okay? So you don't have to worry about going to other stuff. Just find Mark 4.11. Okay, now Mark 4.11, verse 10 says, And when he was done, they asked, they, 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 that, that was about him, of the twelve, asked him of the parable. And he said to them, Under you is given to know, the mystery, remember, it doesn't say mysteries, just one mystery. Given to you to, to know the mystery of the kingdom. To know the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's given to you to know. But the next verse says, unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. So God wanted his disciples to know the mystery of the gospel. Now we know that the only person really going to get this was the Apostle Paul. And we're going to show you why it was Paul who preached Romans 16, 25, the revelation of the mystery. Do everybody understand the terminology, the word mystery and the revelation of the mystery? All right. Christ is the mystery. The church in the old covenant is the mystery. Let's show you that in the word of God. Let's go to Ephesians. I'm going to do this out of the King James so you'll be able to keep up on the screen. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number five, you always hear me do this when I do weddings because this was who the church, when I said the church, I'm talking about the first century church. We are the church, but we are the body of Christ. So Ephesians, chapter five, I mean chapter number uh, Five, when the Apostle Paul taught this, he went through a teaching about marriage. In Ephesians, um, Ephesians, I'm sorry, chapter 5, look at verse 31, 32. So he's, gonna, he's given us everything about marriage, but he's likened it to Christ in the church. So understand marriage, see, because marriage is a mystery. So he's showing you it's just like it is with Christ in the church. Ephesians 5, 31, for this call shall a man leave his father and mother. Now he's really talking about Adam. He's really talking about Christ. He had to leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife. Then you say, well, who was his mother? Israel. So you have to just believe the scripture, okay? Don't try to figure it out. I got the answers. He had to leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they two shall be one flesh. So he had to leave the father. He had to leave Israel. 
and be joined to his wife, which was the one who Judah in Jerusalem. And they too shall be one flesh. Remember, they became one. Flesh. Marriage makes you one flesh. Then he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he looked at his church that day, and he became one with them, even one spirit. Now, that's who we are today. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 16, 6, 16. 1 Corinthians 6. So you have to understand, marriage make you one flesh. But if you're not born of the spirit, let's start with verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 16 and 17. So this is what happened with people. They marry, they become one flesh. But if they're not in Christ, they can never be one spirit. So that's why people have problems in the flesh because they don't realize in the flesh marriage make you one, but if you don't have one spirit, now you have an opposition, spirit against the flesh, flesh against the spirit. And then you're going you're gonna to see this happening. And a lot of people don't know why, what's going on because they feel like because I'm a part of a church, on one spirit. No. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, we're going to show you all of this because I got a lot of long ways to go. All right. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, Paul said to the church, What know you not that he which is joined to an holy is one body? Two says he shall be one flesh. What, what is he talking about? If you marry a holy, you still will be one flesh. If you marry a woman that's not saved, you can only become one flesh. If you marry a man that's not saved, you can only become one flesh. That's all he's telling you. The next verse says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So you do not become one spirit until you are joined to the Lord or the Holy Spirit come lives in you. You can only be, you can only be flesh. If you flesh and you marry somebody else who flesh, then you become both of you flesh. But if you spirit and you marry somebody else that's flesh, then they flesh and you spirit, that's the opposition. Do everybody understand? You're going to have some problem. Because you want to do something spiritual and they want to do something natural. That's why you got to make sure that both have the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to minister on this because I want to take into a lot of things because I want you to know. Let's go to uh, why Paul preached Christ crucified. Why do you do that? Let's go to Titus 2.11. I, I got on this because, you know, when you got a lot of word in you, you, you got to get it. You got to do something about it. So I'm pregnant with two, two series. So some of it will come out on you, all right? So Titus 2.11, you have to read it real good because I'm getting ready to tell you who Christ is. See, what happens is we don't know enough about Christ. Now, we think we got it all sewed up and we got this thing. In my prayer life, 
one of the things I pray for daily is that God would increase his faith in me. Then God would increase his love in me. God would increase his grace on me. So you got to know what words you use and know how to use them. Because that's what grace is. Did anybody understand what I just said? Amen. So God has to in truth. In, see, this, this is the problem with people is they have the spirit in them because they're born again. But they don't have grace on them, so they have problem serving. You can't do what God wants you to do if you don't have the spirit of grace on you. So this is what happens when a lot of people want to be a pastor. And once you get the grace of God on you, you don't have it all. Whatever you do for the Lord, you need more grace. God showed the grace of God on us by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. The grace of God on my life manifests himself in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right. So my, I use my daughter for an example, Cassandra. Uh, it's okay if I call you Cassandra. She is graced to sing. The grace of God on her life to sing. So I have to take that and say, okay, I want to see my daughter with more gifts upon her life. So I pray to God, like Paul did, that God will give you the spirit of wisdom. See, all these, he's getting on the grace now because in Christ you got all this. So I pray, Paul prayed that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. You understand what I mean? So all these things is adding to what she already has. To stand in the office of pastor, you have to have the grace to pastor. Not just truth in here. You have to have the grace on you. And so what I want to begin to show you is why you may, what you can understand, sometimes you may see pastor, you may say that pastor, I don't know, some, some pastor was different today. The grace on your life can be grieved. The spirit of God in your life can be quenched. The spirit of God in your life can be grieved. Do you understand that name? That means that, back to my daughter Cassandra Renee here, that she can be up here singing and the spirit of God in her wants to just explode. But she does not have the people yet. And I say yet because they're going to all be here. And it's going to bring that gift of hers to an abounding. I'm saying her because it goes for the praises also. So that's what you got to understand. And until that happens, it's just like, I, you, may not, you may not understand when I say, thank God, you'll hear me say, thank God for 2.89 billion people. Because what this does is open up the floodgate in me. Because I don't see myself ministering to the hundreds and the 200 and the 300. Thank God for that. I see myself ministering to the millions and the thousands. And the, you understand what I mean? So what it does, 
because I have so much to offer, it has to explode. And it's going to explode on you first. Somebody said, they just going to get the aftershock. <laughs> Y'all understand what that means? You could have a thunder. People understand thunder and lightning. That's why thunder and lightning is so, so is special. They think the thunder is first. No, it isn't lightning is first. <laughs> you see lightning, but you hear thunder. i talk to you later. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, Paul told us who the grace of God is. The grace of God that brings salvation. Now, remember the series I'm teaching on is about salvation. Isn't that right? So we see how we got it. The grace of God that brings salvation has passed tense appear to all men. So what is he talking about? Let's go to the good news on this one verse. For those who are behind the screen. I'm going to read Titus 2.11 from the good news translation. Because the grace of God has past tense appeared. Unto all men, he says. Because that's, he said, teaching you. So we're going to begin to look at this. Look at this word. For God has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people. I like that translation. The grace of God has appealed to all men. The, God has revealed his grace. Say it with me. God has revealed his grace for salvation of all people. So he has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people. So grace is to save all people. So when Christ came here, what did he do? He saved all people. All people not saved. Because grace must be received just like truth. Now let's go back and show you that verse. And that's John 1, 17. We still King James. So I showed you. In Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation. Well, who really brought salvation? One man. Like I said, I asked you a hard question. I got a big old red cross over there. That's your answer. You always know who did it. Who brought you salvation? That's how you know. Some of y'all still not sure. That's what the cross for. God gave you salvation, but somebody had to bring it. Somebody had to carry that cross. So you want to put down there, Christ is the grace of God. Today we're going to begin to see him as God's grace. We always talk, he's he's God's truth and he is. But you got to know what happened when God saved you. So we're going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to read verse 17 now, and then we're going to get you verse 1 through something a little later. We'll go back to John, but just, just through verse 17 right now. John chapter 1 and verse 17. We are showing you that the grace of God, which is, which is Christ Jesus, 
that bringeth salvation. So what did he mean he brought us salvation? Let's go to John 1. What does it mean? What did Paul mean? See, Paul is giving you the revelation of the mystery. Now, John, Peter, James, and John was with Christ every day. So all they knew is him in the flesh. Paul knew him after he is risen from the dead. Otherwise, they only knew him in the person. But Paul knew, him, knew the why. They knew the who. Said so they knew the who. They knew who. who he is. Paul knew why he came. See, Paul knew, knew all the whys and the whats and all the other questions. That's what Paul ministers about. So John chapter 1 and verse 17, the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came. Don't underline the word came, because that's your key verse. Grace and truth came. Well, when did grace and truth come, Pastor? Grace and truth came. Two came. Grace and truth came. How did it, how did it come? By Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus Christ came to bring you? Everybody should have it now, right? Grace and truth. Did he bring that to us? Yes, he did it. Do we know what it is? That's what I'm getting ready to show you. See, I didn't ask you that. I just go, that's what I'm going to show you. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let's go and see what it is. These are two spirits of God. One is for sonship and one is for service. In the book of Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 7, Zechariah is before you get to Malachi. If you want to do better than that, just start at Matthew and back up. Not hard. Zechariah. Chapter 4 and verse 7. I want to be able to share something to you on the Gospel of John. I want to be able to share something with you about John in a few moments. Okay, are you in Zechariah 4, 7 yet? In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse number 7, all that's good, but I want to be able to read verse 4. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? There shall become a plain. Otherwise, it's going to be torn down. All right. And he shall bring forth the headstone. Did anybody know who the headstone is? On every dollar bill, you see a headstone. One side, you see a pyramid with a headstone on it. Aren't you curious? Now, the world don't know what that means. They think they know what it means. They mean something else. I'm not going to even tell you what they think. But the headstone is Christ. And it's the headstone that you put on a pyramid to establish it so it will not move. 
It's not the pyramid that keeps it from moving. It's when you set the headstone. The headstone equal to weight of the whole pyramid. And it keeps the pyramid from moving. You don't have to worry about it. If you put two sticks together, or just take a four, this is, a, this is how you learn how to operate in the, in the woods when you don't have a house. Take four or five, six sticks together, stick them in the ground. This is what the Indian was doing when they learned how to come here before anybody else. They took four, five, six, seven sticks together, stuck them in the ground, and they tied them at the top. You don't have to tie the bottom. It's the top that holds the bottom together. Just like it's Christ that stabilizes your life. Zechariah 4. Israel rejected the headstone. That's why their house fell. <laughs> Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. He shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting. This is how he's going to bring it forth. When Christ came, he said, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What do you mean? Grace, grace, the old covenant says. Grace, grace. So let's go and see what this means. Let's go to Zechariah 12.10. <clears throat> From the book of Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. Let's start verse 9. He says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I would pour out on the house of David. Now remember, you got to understand that's talking about Jerusalem. You back up the next verse, he's talking about the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the, and the tents of Judah. But he says, I will pour up on the house of David and up on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the house of David, verse number seven, let's back back there. Because the house of David is Judah. Well, you know that. Judah of the tribe, David of the tribe of Judah. All kings came from Judah. All priests came from the Levites. Are you with me? Verse 7, the Lord shall save the tents of Judah. First, that's why when Jesus came, two people came to John's baptism. How many knew who they were? Judah and Jerusalem. And the Lord shall save the tents of Judah first. Why? That the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. And that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he, shall, and he that is feeble among them at the day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be as God, and the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day. And still people think it's in your future. It's not in your future. Talk about Israel. I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. 
And that's when the Lord returned is when all these nations came around Jerusalem. All right. And then it says in verse number 10. And I would pour on the house of David. And I will pour on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. When did this happen? Acts chapter 2. And when the spirit and when the day of Pentecost will fully come. How many, how many are listening to me? You don't have to know everything I'm saying, but how many are listening to what I'm saying? All right. I would pour on, pour on, pour on. So if you go back and fulfill the prophecy of Joel in Acts chapter 2, he poured out his spirit upon all flesh, right? You have to know what that meant. Why did God pour on the spirit of grace? So you got to know what this is. He says, and I will pour on the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. So he said, I put that up on them. Why did he put the spirit of grace on you? For service. I gave it to you for ministry. See, that's why you need to write these down. Therefore, you got to know what's supposed to be on you if you're going to serve. Because if you, if you don't have the spirit of grace on you and you serve, then you get offended. Why you get offended? Because you don't have the grace to, to hold that office. You're not able to handle the persecution that comes against that office. That's why so many people die in service. Because they're trying to serve God without the grace. It's the grace that makes you who you are. So when I say that I'm a pastor, it's the grace of God on my life that makes me a pastor. So when you don't have the grace on your life, the grace of God can't make you a pastor. The Holy Spirit comes as the grace of God and the truth of God. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And if people don't understand the grace of God, that's why it's so important. Now, the grace of God can be on your life when you sit on a ministry where the pastor has the grace of God on him. And you can support that ministry and you can be uh, a part of that ministry and submit it to that ministry, dedicate that ministry until God will make sure the same grace that's on my life will become on yours. And you're only going to get it through service. Jesus' disciples got the grace of God that's on his life because they served him. So you're not, you're not coming here and not getting something. You're getting something. And I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look on me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one that mourns for his only son. So we know that was Christ, right? They mourn for him, right? Okay. Now, let's show you. I gave you Zechariah 4 7. I showed you Zechariah 12 10 that he poured on them the spirit of grace. Let's show you that 1 Corinthians 15. And I said the spirit of grace is on your life for service. When you don't serve, it's because you don't have the spirit of grace. See, this is what happened to so many people, why they can't keep serving. 
while they get weary in service. That's why Paul talked, God talked about a will, uh, weary in well-doing. Because <laughs> that's where you get weary at in well-doing. When you, you, you consistently have to be here. You consistently have to serve. And then you find out that you really can't serve because it's interfering with your physical life. So you got to choose between staying at home and serving. Because when I'm at home, I don't have to serve. I can walk around in my PJs and I can watch Pastor Crump on TV. But if I go serve, I'm going to get offended. It's going to cost me something to come here. Because I'm going to come here to serve. And how do I serve you? By, serve by love, you serve one another. So you're not coming here for me. You come here to serve your brothers and your sisters. So you come here to encourage them because I'm here. Out of all I go through, I'm still here. So I come here to encourage you in the Lord that you can make it. If you know what I was going through, if you know what Minister Barlow has been through, and he's still serving. If you know what Minister Yancey going through, but he's still serving. If you know what Sister Yancey has been through, you'd be, oh, I'd be so glad to give a testimony. One of these days, she's going to finally give it. Amen. Well, see, that's your service. And you have to understand, your service, first of all, is your ministry. Because you can't minister to nobody if they don't know about you. Ooh. If you don't know what, if they don't know what you've gone through, then it's hard to convince them of your service. Your service is the first part of your ministry. Watch the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is going to share with them how he was able to serve. 1 Corinthians 15 says in verse 9, I am the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the apostles, he says. And I'm not meet worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. God had to stop me from murdering, torturing, abusing, blaspheming, all the stuff that he said he did to the church. I did it all to the church of God. But by the grace of God, you have to know what the grace of God is. See, I'm teaching you the grace of God right now. You got to know what the grace of God is because this is how Paul stopped. This is what made Paul what he was. Now, how many know what the grace of God is now? The spirit of grace. That's what I want to hear from you. I gave you the spirit of grace. It's on you. Watch what he says, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So what is he saying? Because of the Holy Spirit on me. See, you got to understand, he's telling you how he was able to do all the stuff he did. See, you read Paul writing, Paul said, I was left for dead three days. And how did he stay out there in the, in the deep? 
Three days and three nights not fearing, and, and he could have went into a trauma. He could have had, you put people in a, in a place and they have to live in the water all night, and they're thinking about everything that's in the water, they could, they could just have a heart attack and die right there. Paul stayed three days. See, you look at all the stuff he went, how was he able to do this? So you look at Pastor Crumb, you say, how in the world he able to do what he do? It's not me doing that. I, it's the grace of God in my life. Really, to me, it's easy. It's sweatless. You look at what I have to do. How in the world would he be up 3.30 every Sunday morning praying for the church? I want to pray for you between 3.30 and 4.15 this morning. Every Sunday for the last close to 30 years. Been over here 23 years. September this year will be 23 years. I was doing this at the other church. Every Saturday I'm here. Devoted. Because I found out something. The grace of God on your life is for sanctification. See, if I were you, I'd be writing some stuff down by right now. Because I'm showing you something. The grace of God on your life is for sanctification. He sanctified you by the Spirit on your life. This is why so many people can't serve. They don't get away with God long enough to let the Spirit sanctify them. That's where holiness comes from. Not in just your way you live, your time with the Lord. The Spirit of God wants you to be with him so he can come on you. And the Spirit of God on you is called the Spirit of burning. The Spirit of forgiveness. Well, he rests up on you to purge you. That's why I just can't get up from where I am and run in here and minister. I have to be set apart and be with the Spirit of the Lord and let the Spirit of holiness come on you. Sanctification is by the Spirit. And it's a daily thing for service. So when I come, that's why a lot of times, as much as I love being with my brothers, you know, I got my men right across the hall, I love being with them, but sometimes I just can't go out of my office. Like this morning, I couldn't come out of my office. Some mornings I can't come out of the office. That's what happened to Nadab and Abihu. The Spirit of God has put his grace on their life for service, and they went out with the boys. Hey, what's going on, man? Boom. Both fell dead. When the spirit of God in your life is on your life for service, it's the spirit of sanctification. It's the spirit of holiness. He set you apart to serve him. How many, how many catching on you? That's the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace can be offended. The spirit of grace can be grieved. I spent all this time sanctifying this kid, and he come out this morning. He, he ain't been back in the office yet. He all up and down everywhere. Now he want to go up there and minister, and he want to say, Shandai, Shandai, and he want me to move. I ain't moving. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you an example. Okay. But by the grace of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I am what I am, and it's grace which was upon me. 
See, his grace, which was upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundant than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was upon me. The grace of God on me was for service. The reason why I was able to serve more than anybody is because I had God's grace on me. I was able to do and go and be what I had to be. His grace made me a minister. His grace, he kept in there to his grace made him an apostle. He went from being just a servant of the Lord until being a minister of the Lord until even being an apostle. That's how long he stayed under that grace. That's why I tell people, so many people just got saved, don't even know what salvation is yet, and all of a sudden they're a minister of the church, and before you do anything, they're a pastor, and then they're a bishop, and then they're an apostle, and what on? Then you be going like, oh my God, oh my God. They have not a clue of what they're doing. And then what they say they are destroys them because they don't have the grace. This is something. They don't live out of half of their days. Because what's up on them can't be carried by the grace of God. You must understand the anointing, when God put the anointing in your life, you better have the grace. <laughs> if you don't, the anointing will kill you. The anointing is weight. Let me say it this way. Say Elijah. Come on, I need y'all to really, really, really say it, okay? Just really say it. Say Elijah. Elisha was the son of Elijah. Let's go to Malachi. Let me show you this. Now, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, that's why you have to understand that the grace of God in your life can be grieved and it can be quenched. That's why you don't want to do anything when the grace of God in your life. He must do it all. You can't do anything. You can't help him. He empowers you. You become the donkey. He become the rider of the donkey. <laughs> Woo. So just let him ride. And you just hail King Jesus. You reign and rule in Christ. Okay, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Now, I'm getting ready to take you because I want you to see something. You have to see the transferring of anointing or the transferring of power. And that's happened when John the Baptist came as well as Jesus. How is Jesus going to get the anointing on his life? And who had that before he came? Malachi 4 and 5 said, Behold, I was send Elijah. Somebody say Elijah. The prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now remember, this is why it can't be your day. If you know anything about the Bible, you know people are lying. They just heard from somebody else that didn't know and they didn't know and they didn't know and 20 years passed, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years passed. They still didn't know and now people are today preaching what they don't know. The great and dreadful day of the Lord was when the Lord came for judgment. And John the Baptist 
If you read the story of Elijah, the heavens were shut up in the days of Elijah for three and a half years. And when Jesus came, he prayed, and I want somebody to find me what happened when Jesus prayed. <laughs> and who shut the heavens up? Why there was a search of miracle for John the Baptist to be in the wilderness water baptizing? Because during the famine you had no water. My God. Malachi chapter number 4 and verse 5 says, I was in Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, which was spoken of in Joel chapter 2 verse 31. And he shall turn the hearts of the father to the prophets, I'm sorry, to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest, and if they don't turn, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So you have to understand the word earth is Israel. Most people don't even know that. That's why they can't teach the Bible. They don't know what the words mean. They say, oh, the Lord is going to come and destroy the earth. Well, you don't live in the earth. The earth is Israel, the land of promise. The promised land. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, Jerusalem, and the land of Israel. Adam, he put Adam in the garden. Well, you think the garden is? In the land of Israel, which was Jerusalem. He put Adam in Jerusalem. Wow, that was so significant because when the devil came, Adam was, able, Adam was put out of Jerusalem. He lost his throne. Simply because he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he fell from his reigning in grace. He couldn't reign in grace no more. So he lost all the kingdoms of Israel. Adam ruled over all the kingdoms of the world, which was Israel. Just like David. David ruled over all Israel. See, you know what the Bible says. The Bible is about Israel and where they reign at, where the king reigned at. Some reign, like when the ten tribe left, left David. And then that's why when Christ came, there was only two tribes that David could reign over, and that was Judah and Jerusalem. The other ten tribes were in rebellion. So you go through the book of Revelation, it's not everybody going through the book of Revelation. It's the ten trials who didn't want Christ. <laughs> who did not submit to John the Baptist and was water baptized. They wouldn't repent. <laughs> oh my God. That's why when you go through the book of Revelation, you keep hearing God say, repent. Repent. They wouldn't. Souls, bars, repent. They wouldn't. Why? Because the curses of the law was coming on them. And all they had to do is repent and God would remove them. And the way he did those two tribes, he put the spirit of grace on them. The spirit of forgiveness would fell on them. Acts chapter 2. And those who have the spirit of grace on them, the judgment wouldn't come on them. Are you in Malachi 4. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This was John the Baptist. We call him Elijah here. 
and the hearts of the children of the Father. Let, if you don't do it, I will come and smite the earth with a curse. I will come and smite the earth with a curse. All right, now. Let, I wasn't going to show you this, but I'm going to have to. Now, 1 King 18.36. 1 King 18.36. You got to go in the Old Covenant. After Samuel, you know, Samuel anointed the kings. So 1 King 18 and 36. I'm showing you here because this is where so when you read this you're going to find out that this is the story of Elijah and Elijah had called on the name of the Lord and the God that answered by fire let it be fire that was a cross right that's what showing you the, the fire fell and burned up the sacrifice the type of Christ's death bearing resurrection all right, they had could not put any wood under, but the fire still fell. Now we move over into verse number what I asked you, 36? Thank you. In verse 36, now, let me read 24, and then I go to 36. 24 first, and then 36 on your screen. 24 first, then 36. 24 says, call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answered by fire let him, be, let him be God and the people answered and says it's well spoken so he had to answer but he had to answer by fire so this is why God answered when he sent the Holy Ghost he answered when the fire judgment fell on Christ so you have to know when God was answering okay let's keep going verse 30, 36 it came to pass at that time, time what? Of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now you got, to, you got to understand, Jesus Christ died, started at 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 in the afternoon, which was a total of six hours. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, talking about Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that thy servant, that I, am done, I have done all these things by thy word or at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their hearts back again. Remember that he would turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Then the fire fell and consumed the burnt offering. Now he's telling you how did God do it. The fire fell and consumed the sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust. And licked up the water that was in the trout. <coughs> and the next verse says, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he's God, the Lord, he's God. And Elijah said to them, take the prophets of Baal, that not one of them escaped. So they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. So all the prophets at that time were the sword. Now, who was this? Let's go back to Malachi. I'm not going to be able to finish this today. I'm, I want to really get you on this so I, you set you up for my next service. It's a setup. All right. Now. In, Malik, in Matthew 11, 11, we're going to read Matthew 11, 11 through verse number 15. 
Matthew 11, 11 to 15. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence taken by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. Everybody listened to the law and the prophets till John came. And if you will receive it, this is Elias. Elias is Elijah, which was for the come. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Do everybody understand what I just read to you? So now Eli, now the prophet was fulfilled. The psalm was fulfilled. Look at Luke 16, 16. You read that same thing. Look at Luke 16, 16. You have to understand, when John the Baptist came, he was leaving law, going to grace. Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were unto John. The law and the prophets ended when John started his ministry. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. Do everybody understand what I just said? When John the Baptist came, the law and the prophet had ended. That's why the Bible said Christ is the end of the law. Listen to me. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. So you have to understand why Christ is the end of the law? Because Christ is grace. Christ is what? Grace. The grace of God. The grace of God is the end of the law. You don't have to, you don't have to do water baptism no more. You don't have to eat communion bread no more because that's the law. All oh, that's the law. Moses gave you that. John gave you water baptism. Moses gave you the bread on the table. You don't have to do that no more. Why? Because grace has come. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. God does none of that stuff anymore. He does everything by his spirit. Grace on you. Truth in you. So that's the spirit of grace and the spirit of truth. Look at John, 7, John 16, 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. So you have to understand what was Jesus doing? What was he bringing? Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So that's why he told you he poured out his spirit upon our flesh because that is called the spirit of forgiveness. The spirit of grace in your life is the spirit of sanctification. That's why people do not understand when the Holy Spirit is upon them. And that's why I tell you to re relax don't do anything. Just let the Spirit of God on you. Do what he's supposed to do. He's not on you for, for you to do nothing. He's doing his work on you, which is sanctifying you. You the offering. I say you the offering. So when I teach on the Apostle Paul, I want to show you that Paul says, I have fought a good fight. He's going to show you that he, I have poured out my life as an offering. 
And we are the offering because the Holy Spirit on us sanctifies the offering before God can use us. Anybody hear what I just said? So when you do something and you don't have the grace to do that, then you grieve the Holy Spirit. How many ever heard this? Well, you know, I, I, that person back there was a friend of mine. They was a relative of mine. They were whatever. You know, they asked me to sing something. And, you know, y'all just help me out. Pray for me. Pray my strength in the Lord. Uh, I'm going I'm to I'm do my best. I'm going to do my best I can. And then they get up there and grieve the Holy Spirit. And people clap their hands and say, go ahead on, child. Just do what God, God told you to do that. <laughs> See, if God told you to do that, he would have given you the ability. God's grace on you is his what? Ability. When you don't have the ability to do something, you don't have the grace to do that. Because if God have you to do something, then you have the grace to do that. That's why when I hear songs and they came out of worldly people, out of their worldly flesh, you know they don't have the spirit. Because everything they do is for them, it's about them. If it's God's song, it gives him the glory. It praises him. The song praises him. The song praises God. The song worships God. Everything is directed towards God. That's what you got to go by. Who is this, who is this glorifying? Tell you what I'm doing? Or tell you what God's doing? John 16, 13. I'm going to have to cut it here. How be it when the spirit of truth is come, and the Bible called him a he, because we know that's the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. Well, what is all truth? It's the new covenant. It's the word of truth. So you have the spirit of grace, which is the spirit of, I'm sorry, you have the spirit of grace, which is for service. Then you have the spirit of Christ, Romans 8 and verse 9, he that has not the spirit of Christ is none of his. The spirit of Christ in you is the spirit of truth. So the Holy Ghost in you, responsibility is to teach you the truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So why Paul could preach grace and Peter, James, and John could not? This is what people ought to understand. Paul, Peter, James, and John preach who Jesus is. That's why John chapter 20 and verse 30. Look at it on the screen. John 20 and 30. I'm almost done. John chapter 20 and verse 30. Jesus says. John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. Just two verses. The gospel of St. John. Many other signs did Jesus truly in, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may know that Jesus 
is the Christ. John's writing is that you'll know who he is. Paul's writing, you'll know what he has done. Let me say it again. Matthew 16, 13, Jesus is the Christ. Who do men say I the Son of Man am? You are the Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was just to tell you who he is. Why Paul preached Christ crucified. Christ crucified tells you what he has done for you. Your salvation is not who he is. Most people think they saved because they say, oh, I know Jesus. Just tell him Jesus. Just receive Jesus. You're not saved. You don't know what salvation is. Our salvation is based on what he's done. Well, what has he done? He died for my sin. He was buried in my own place. And God raised him from the dead to justify me. That's how I know I'm saved. And when God, when you understand that, God gives you the Holy Spirit in you for sonship, relationship. He gives you the Holy Spirit on you to serve. Clap your hands. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm coming to the screen. First, I'm coming to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse number one. What has he done for you? I'm coming down to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What has Christ done? How do I know I'm saved? Who do God give the Holy Spirit to? He give it to me just because I go to church? No. He makes me a son just because I go to church? No. I must understand something that I got to believe he has done before I qualify. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. The key word is how. How did he die for our sins? He was crucified. He did it according to the scripture. When he did it, he fulfilled the scripture. And that he was buried, fulfilling the scriptures. And then he rose again from the day, fulfilling the scriptures. Christ fulfilled the scriptures through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why Paul preached Christ crucified. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.